Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 173 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show set up a software company while studying for a PhD in plant science. He has since worked for a number of companies at group IT manager and CTO level, as well as immersing himself in the world of social software, acting as a social media consultant. More recently, he completed an almost eight-year stint leading Green Monk, the clean tech, energy, and sustainability practice of industry analyst firm Redmonk before joining SAP as Global Internet of Things Evangelist. So welcome to the podcast, Tom Raftery. Thanks, Phil. Thanks very much. So first thing I wanted to ask you was, you obviously set up your first software company while you were doing your PhD. First of all, did you complete your PhD? And what was that software company you set up? I did not complete the PhD, I have to say. <laughs> so I, I started studying in, in biology, obviously, and uh, as an undergrad, when I was in a third year of undergrad of a four-year degree, I was asked, well, the, the, our year was asked by our professor to hand up our projects on a disk. And, you know, we were biologists. We'd never seen a computer before, more or less, because this was 89, 88, 89, uh, there was one computer in the department and it had no hard disk. So you had three five and a quarter inch floppy drives to contend with to use it. And uh, that meant there was always a queue of people wanting to use it. And this coincided with my getting a significant check from Her Majesty's Government Revenue Commissioners uh, for two summers of work I had done in the UK as a, as a student uh, during my summer holidays. And uh, so I was getting tax back. So on the one hand, I had this need. And on the other hand, I had this nice check. So I said to myself, well, why don't I take this check and buy a secondhand computer and I can have it in my room. And that way I can teach myself how to use computers. And because it's my computer, I won't have to queue to use it. And like I can make as many mistakes on it as I want. And people won't be staring at me when the computer goes beep. So, <laughs> you know, and I bought a book, you know, uh, the, the computer I bought was a Mac, uh, a secondhand Mac. And I bought a Mac for dummies book. It was actually called a Mac Bible. And uh, I, I read the book from cover to cover, taught myself how to use the computer and then became fascinated with them and went on from there then to start. I started in the university first. In the university, while I was then, when I, when I went on to start the PhD, I approached the department and said, look, do you need me to train any of the undergrads in how to use the computers? And they said, yes, that'd be great. So I set up a course and ran the course there for the undergrads. And then, then I approached some local businesses that were selling computers. And I said to them, look, I'm teaching a computer course in the college. Do any of your customers need courses taught? And they said, absolutely. So I started uh, training their customers. And then uh, that became more and more of a business. I brought in friends to help out. And 
it, it grew and I was spending more time doing that and less time doing the PhD. And at the same time, I was earning more doing that than people who had already received their PhDs. So I could see where my future lay. So I dropped the PhD and, you know, it was a big decision because I was after about three years of research, but I dropped the PhD, went full-time on the computers, set up a computer company called Zenith Solutions. And uh, we started doing uh, training and then subsequently development for companies of bespoke software. And the kind of development we were doing, we were always a little bit ahead of the curve because we were we started doing websites first. And then we went from websites to web-fronted databases, which is essentially another word for uh, software as a service. Yeah. So we were doing that back in the uh, late 90s. And we sold the first game to what was then Aircell, who were the mobile phone company. So we wrote a, a game in uh, WML to work on, remember those Nokia phones with the slide down uh, mouthpiece that were featured in the Matrix movie? Yes. You know, we, 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 we wrote a game that ran on, on those that ran off WML and we sold it to Aircell. So it was the first mobile phone game in Ireland. So we were always a bit ahead of the curve. And then we hit the, the 2000s and the dot bomb. So we merged with another company. I went in as CTO. And with this company, we, we took a product they had, which was based on Access, and we converted it to SQL Server and web-fronted it. And basically, it was, again, software as a service, delivered ERP applications around reverse logistics. So I stayed with that company until 2004 and then went out on my own to set up a social media consultancy, which again was kind of early. I did that from 2004 to 2008. And then while I was doing that, I stayed very good friends with the guy that I had been CTO to in the uh, software company. So he and I and another friend uh, came together to uh, co-found a data center, which is still in existence. It's called uh, CIX. It's it's at cix.ie online. It is the data center in Europe with the lowest latency connection to North America now. The Hibernia 1 cable has been terminated there. At the time, it was designed and developed as a hyper-energy efficient data center. And because of my background in open source, uh, sorry, in social media, we open sourced the development of the data center. We blogged and videoed and photographed and put online all the details of the development of the data center, which was revolutionary at the time where everyone was, you know, hiding how they developed their data centers. We opened it up uh, and showed everyone. And part of the reason for that was because there were six or seven uh, data centers in Ireland at the time, and they were all in Dublin. And, you know, we were doing ours in Cork, and we wanted to show people what we were actually developing because, you know, people could call anything a data center, anything from, you know, the Facebook type ones, the mega ones down to kind of a rat's nest of, you know, a closet full of cables. And we had a pretty decent data center and we wanted to show that we were kind of, we were in in the middle there. We weren't the Facebook size one, but at the same time, we weren't a rat's nest of cables in, in some closet somewhere. So... We developed that out, and it's as I say, it's still operating and doing very well for itself. And then in 2008, I moved to Spain uh, for personal rather than professional reasons, and I didn't speak Spanish, so that was going to be a bit of an issue. So um, <laughs> I, ne- I needed a job that would allow me to work through English remotely. So I 
had a number of offers at the time, and one of them was from a company called Redmonk. And Redmonk is an industry analyst firm, an open source industry analyst firm. And uh, I, I talked to a lot of companies, as I said at the time, and Redmonk really, I had the the best fit with from a cultural perspective. Uh, and also the job was awesome. So I, I joined Redmonk in June of 2008 and started working for them and continued working for them. I, I led their energy and sustainability practice called Greenmonk, doing a lot around clean tech and uh, IoT. Then in kind of late 2015, a couple of companies approached me separately and independently and said, listen, Tom, if you ever think of leaving Redmonk, we'd like to have a chat with you. And I hadn't, but that kind of triggered something in, in my head and uh, started thinking about it. And so I left Redmonk at the end of February 2016, and I wrote a blog post saying I'm leaving Redmonk and I'm talking to a couple of companies. If anyone else would like to get in touch, the window is still open for a while. And so a number of companies did get in touch, and I had some very, very interesting conversations uh, including one with the CEO of an American uh, electric car company. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who called me to ask me to, to come and be the voice of Tesla. Right. And I was also approached by SAP. And SAP asked me to come and be an, an IoT evangelist for them. And uh, I had meetings with all the parties and uh, eventually decided to join SAP. And I have not regretted it for one second. It's been uh, it's been an awesome ride. Yeah. So it sounds like your your career history hasn't really been in one focused area. You, you've moved about. You've you've tried different things, and and I presumably that's kept your interest within the industry as much as anything else. Correct. I, I like. I, I'm I'm kind of uh, a bit ADD. So if, if I stay doing any one thing for any length of time, I get bored very quickly. And that's why I like always doing future-focused things, uh, like to look ahead and see what's new and shiny, and that kind of distracts me, and I go, ooh, that's cool. Uh, so being a, a, an IoT evangelist first and now innovation evangelist for SAP is fantastic because it means I'm always looking at new things. But all the time I've been in technology, it's always been at the bleeding edge, always looking forward, always trying the next greatest thing. And that's been kind of the thread throughout my career. Right. And presumably in your role now, you do travel a lot as well, although you're based, um, as we were talking just before we started recording, you're based in Spain. Presumably you actually travel around the world and, and uh, in your role as an evangelist. I do. I travel a lot. My role is a global role, and it's also across industries. So uh, in SAP, we cover 26 different industries, and I'm responsible for all of them. And also, we cover the globe. So my role is a global role. And in the last uh, year, I, I, I've been to, uh, let's see, China, I've been to Japan, I've been to uh, several countries in the Middle East, including Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, uh, Doha, I've been to Africa, so I've been to Morocco, I've been to South Africa, uh, I think that's it in Africa, actually, Morocco, Morocco and South Africa, I've been all over Europe, you name it, I've been there, I've been to yeah. Russia. Poland, uh, I've been to the US, I've been to Mexico, 
And yeah, that, that pretty much covers it. I haven't been to South or Central America. Well, I've been to Mexico, I guess that's Central America. Yeah. I haven't been to uh, Australia either. That's Oh, I've been to India. I was in India a few weeks back as well. It's, right. it's hard to keep track. Yeah, I'm sure. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, so Tom, can you perhaps share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not know and perhaps should? Probably not. <laughs> I can certainly share a tip whether they, whether it's one they don't already know or not is is, is dubious. Yeah. Um, I, I think, um, and this is something, because I do a lot of talks around innovation and future stuff, I get a lot of people coming up to me afterwards and saying, Tom, look, my, my kids are you know in school and they're wondering what to do. And I'm thinking they should go for job X. What do you think? And I always say, no. Uh, and the reason is because if job X is a doctor or if job X is a civil engineer or if job X is a lawyer or whatever it is, the chances are that that job could be automated out by the time their kids graduate. So I tell people, don't concentrate on going for a particular job because the job may not exist by the time you, you're ready for it. Concentrate rather on following what it is you're interested in doing because if you are doing something that you're interested in, you'll enjoy doing it and consequently you'll do it better and so your results will be better and you'll be more successful at the end of the day. So that's my tip. Go Do, do what you enjoy doing. Yeah, that's very true. It's very, it's very basic. It's very basic. <laughs> but, but it rings true. That's the main thing. Good. So, Tom, can you perhaps tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Yeah, uh, I was doing a bit of network engineering for a company in Dublin back in the it was the early 2000s, uh, I want to say around 2003, and I completely brought down the network. And I was like, oh, no. And this was just at the end of a, uh, of a fr it was a Friday afternoon, you know, the absolute perfect time to bring the network <laughs> down because then, you know, you, you can't leave until you get it fixed yep. and it's Friday afternoon. And it's like, oh no, 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 I didn't do this, did I? So <laughs> I went in there a little bit unprepared, I have to say, and figuring it, that I would figure it out as I went along and, uh, I eventually did figure it out as I went along, but uh, it, it was embarrassing and I should have done more prep before I went in the front door. So that's the uh, the mistake. Uh, always be prepared. Yes. And, you know, don't, don't try and take too big a slice. And moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? It, it's difficult because I've, I've had so many cool things happen in the last uh, couple of years. I mentioned getting that uh, that call with Elon Musk. Yeah, I mean, I didn't follow that up. As in, I, I did follow it up with meetings and stuff with executives from Tesla, but I didn't join Tesla subsequently. But just that, just the fact that his office reached out and said that he wanted to talk to me, mm. uh, having that conversation with him, having him call me a week later and having that conversation with him, that was huge. That was absolutely huge. That was summer 2016. And um, like I say, it was it was that after I wrote that blog post saying the window is still open and uh, he told me that he read my blog and he thought it was uh, innovative and interesting and he wanted me to be the voice of Tesla. I mean, that was wow. It's, you know, 
as I say, I didn't take the job with Tesla subsequently, and there were several reasons for that. One of the main ones was uh, he wanted me to move to Palo Alto. Uh-huh. And, you know, if I was in my 20s, I would have been on the next plane. But I'm not in my 20s and haven't been for quite a while now. <laughs> and I have, I have a family and uh, uh, kids, and we have a fabulous house here in Seville in the south of Spain. And we have orange trees in the front garden, a lemon tree out the back. We have a swimming pool. We have uh, two big dogs who run around the place all the time. You know, we have solar panels on the roof, an electric car. You know, not a, not a Tesla, but we have an electric, <laughs> fully electric car. Yes. If I wanted something similar or even approaching something similar in Palo Alto, it would be tens of millions of dollars. Literally, I checked it on Zillow. It would be, you know, 10 million at least $10 million. And there was no way that Tesla were going to be able to pay me the kind of money that I would have needed to maintain a similar lifestyle to the one I have here. Yeah. And there's no way I would have asked my family to take a step down in our quality of life. So unfortunately, it just couldn't come together. But on the other hand, SAP, when I was interviewing with them, I was saying to them things like, you know, well, I live in the south of Spain and I really don't want to move. And they were saying, oh, that's fine. We don't care where you live. Oh, nice. Uh, I uh, I have a successful Twitter account with, you know, lots of followers. I don't want to set up a new one for SAP. Oh, no, of course not. That's where your followers are. That's where we want you to keep publishing. And, you know, same thing with my blog, same thing with my YouTube channel, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it was just uh, anything I said to SAP, they were like, oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we want. And uh it was pushing an open door. And uh, like I said, I've had zero regrets ever since. I'm having a blast working for SAP. They're a great organization. Yeah, that's great to hear. They sound very accommodating in terms of what they were able to offer you. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were. And it was funny because it was one of these job interviews where they were saying things like, so when you come working for us, we want you to, you know, it, it wasn't, so where do you see yourself in five years' time? It, it, there was none of that. It, it was all, it, it was, they were trying to bring me in rather than the other way around. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Can you perhaps tell us what excites you about the future of IT and careers in IT in particular? In terms of careers, I think every career going forward is going to be an IT career. And, and that may sound a bit wild and bizarre and even naive to some extent. But if you think of the way the world is going, everything is starting to be taken over by software. People don't buy video recorders anymore because you've got a video recorder in your phone. You know, people don't buy cameras similarly. People don't buy MP3 players similarly. You know, everything is turning into software. Software is eating the world, as Mark Andreessen famously yes. said in yep. his seminal essay in 2011. So because software is taking over everything, technology is becoming infused in everything. So there are no jobs that won't have a technical or an IT aspect to them. Yeah, All jobs will. I was, I was in Vienna last week, and I was talking to two executives from Volkswagen, and they are talking about how the car industry is shifting from being a, a company that makes moving parts to a company that makes software and consumes data. 
the world is changing and technology is changing the world enormously for the better. And all jobs, all jobs going forward will have a technological aspect to them. Yeah, I think you're right. So we're going to go into the reveal round now. I'm going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Yep. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? It was the new cool thing that was going on, I guess. It was it was something that I, I, I as I said, I, I taught myself how to use the, the, the Mac, the computer, and then I taught myself how to train other people to do it and then how to write software. And it was always new stuff, new stuff. So it's, it's my ADD aspect that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> right. Okay. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? Ooh, I don't know. Have I received much career advice? Um, yes, I did. Actually, last week when I was in Vienna, a colleague of mine said to me that I should get a mentor. And he's absolutely right. I probably should. Uh, and that's something that I'm, I'm looking into right now. So I think that's probably a good bit of career advice for anyone in any organization. Always try and find a mentor because you never can say that you know it all. You can always learn new stuff. At the same time, I have been asked uh, to be a mentor, and that's fine too. You can do, uh, you can be the two things, a mentor and a mentee, because there is a lot that I do know that I can impart to others, and I'm happy to do that. Yeah. And I don't know if you'll be able to answer this one, but what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Oh, uh, that would be my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Back back when I was... um, when I was in school trying to decide what job to do, he told me uh, he told me I should study commerce and go into business because he thought I'd be good at that. And oh, that was terrible career advice. I was, I guess I am in business now in a way, but I he, he meant you know be a shopkeeper or open your own business or do something yeah. like that, selling stuff. And I do not have a sales gene at all. You know, if I opened a business doing that kind of thing, it would go to the wall in a matter of minutes. So uh, <laughs> I went into science instead and uh, studied that and loved it and then went on into computers. If you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? Anything that's new and shiny, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, all, all the all the new and shiny now is around AI and IoT and blockchain, which is exactly where I am, which is great. Uh, so I'm I'm exactly where I would be because that's that's it fits my personality perfectly. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Just getting better at what I do is is the main thing, and helping others to do it as well through the mentoring program that we have. We have a very structured mentoring program in SAP. So that would be the two things, improving me and also helping improve others. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Communication. I give a lot of keynote talks and I write blog posts from time to time. I should do it more often. But I, I would say the ability to give a good talk. I've given... So a lot of the traveling that I did that I mentioned earlier has been to give keynote talks. And I've given keynote talks in places like uh, the one in Vienna last week was to a room of 20 people, I would say, at most, 20 to 30 maybe. And I've given keynote talks in events where there were eight, nine, ten thousand people. And it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter. As long as you are giving a talk to an audience and you can see 
someone's faces, even with big lights, if you can see people in the front row and you can gauge their facial reactions, you get the feedback from them and you dynamically adjust your pitch or your tone or your pace based on the faces you see in the audience. And the ability to be able to do that is has been fantastic for me. Yeah, and that's definitely a skill that, that has, I presume for you, has developed over time as well. Yeah, it has. I mean, when I was in school, uh, I was on the debate team. And when I was in college, I did uh, intervarsity debates. So that helped enormously. But it's probably in the genes as well, because my dad was a university professor and a member of the European Parliament and a member of the Irish Senate. So communications is something very much in his DNA as well. So I couldn't escape it. Yeah, right. Um, so this this podcast called The IT Career Energizer, what do you think keeps your own career energized? It goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's always coming across new things. Uh, that's just the role that I'm in, innovation evangelist. I have to be looking at the innovation space all the time and seeing what's new and sexy. And that's what keeps me energized. I love reading and researching and finding out the latest new hotness. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I don't really do much outside of it. As in, I walk the dogs every morning. And when I'm walking the dogs, I'm listening to podcasts. You'd be happy to hear. Good, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And similarly, if I'm driving somewhere, I'll have the, the podcast app on in the car. And I'll be listening to podcasts there as well. Uh, always work-related. It's not often I give myself downtime. Sometimes late in the evening, particularly at weekends, I'll, flip, I'll flick Netflix on and, and watch a series there or something like that. And when I do that, I'll, I'll typically go for, you know, I won't go uh, for a, a documentary often. I'll, I'll more likely go for some science fiction or something. I'm, I'm going through Star Trek Discovery at the moment, for example. Right. So still very t- sort of technical or, or scientific. Yeah, ish, ish. But it's 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 also a bit of mental chewing gum, you know, which yes. is which is nice to have from time to time. Yeah, some of the ideas that come across in those sorts of things are quite interesting as well. Oh, they're fantastic. I mean, science fiction has very much become, uh, in a lot of cases, science fact. The whole idea of the uh, the tablet, the whole idea of the flip phone, you know, all those things came from science fiction. There's so much that that has become science fact. Yep. And Tom, can you share maybe a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? I'll just reiterate what I said earlier. Follow your your passion, because when you're following your passion, that's what you'll deliver on. That's where you'll shine best. It's where you'll be most enthusiastic. Uh, and enthusiasm is contagious, and it shows. So no matter what it is, your passion, follow that and bring that into your work. Yep. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? So I'm very easy to find on Twitter, Tom Raftery. It's just at Tom Raftery. Uh, it, it, the, the surname is spelled a little oddly. It's uh, R-A-F-T-E-R-Y, Raftery. There and on LinkedIn and on my blog, which is TomRaftery.com and on YouTube, just search Tom Raftery. You know, it's, 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 there aren't a lot of Tom Rafferys in the world, so I'm not that hard no. to find. <laughs> okay. Tom, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
As always, my thanks go to my guest on today's show. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode. I also want to thank you for your continued support. It's always great to hear from listeners, particularly when they have suggestions about potential guests or ways to improve the show. And this was one of the reasons for creating the new IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. I'm really excited about taking the podcast forward, and I hope that you'll continue to support and listen to the show as it continues to change and evolve. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.